listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 121, covering Rascals and A Fistful of Datas with Brian Lynch. Hello, friends. It is time once again for the Post-Atomic Horror Program. It sure is indeed, Al. Invading your ears with Star Trek-related discussions since you just started listening 30 seconds ago. Uh, our pal Brian is here with us this week. Hi, Brian. Coming our to you live from beautiful Scotty's shuttlecraft. Are you Oops. sitting in a parking lot? Am I am I correct? In no, I'm, I'm sitting. I'm sitting uh, uh, on a street because my internet went out and I have to find a uh, public wireless signal. So I'm by a house which I know has one that's. Quite reliable and uh, quite unprotected, and they're they're just so beautiful and trusting. I'll have to like send them a cake or something. But an old I... man is going to chase you away with a rake. <laughs> that that's happened to me before. Rakes are nothing to fuck with. No, rakes are not a good thing. What's no weir- one wants to get raked in the face. Oh no, oh dear. No what's, what's weird is when the when the old man chases you with a rake, it's he's he's actually holding like a a seventeenth century cad above his head. Is that a rake? Yes, it's a rake. <laughs> oh, I see. Right. Yes, get it. I, I get it. I only know that I only know that version because of all the uh, romance novels it apparently appears on. Oh yeah, rakes, rapscallions, cads. The woman who ran away with a rake. Well, this isn't what I expected. <laughs> I'll tell you the greatest Jeopardy answer of all time was when Ken Jennings was asked for what is a word that means both a gardening implement and an immoral pleasure seeker, and oh, the answer yeah. Alex Trebek was looking for was a rake. And the answer Ken Jennings uh-huh. gave was a hoe. Well, <laughs> that that also qualifies. I yep. think he should have gotten the points, but he did not. Yeah. Uh, plus, he's Ken Jennings. At, the, at some point, you just give him a wheelbarrow full of points and call it a day. Yeah, doesn't he have enough points? I think so. All right. Uh, why don't we talk about Star Trek instead of... Um, of rakes. Ken Jennings and a wheelbarrow. You're listening to the <laughs> Ken Jennings Wheelbarrow Rakes podcast. Yes. Horror. Wheelbarrow instead, is another word for an immoral pleasure seeker. So it is. hey No, no, it's not. With a little so, imagination. Why don't you tell us about Rascals, Al? The episode I uh, I got this week, <laughs> I wasn't going to say I picked it, because <laughs> Brian picked his, and it was my turn to do the other one, so I got stuck with Rascals. <clears throat> In fact, I'm going to revise this on the spot, because uh, right. I was making some uh, Picard bald jokes or hacky references, and apparently Matt wants to club me over the head over that, so... Uh, <laughs> It's not really worth making a big point about. I don't mind pissing that off, but uh, this one's not really worth it. I'll fight the big fights. I'll pick my battles over the baldness, and this is this is not one of them. So here we go. Captain Picard is returning from another captain's holiday, which is weird because Brian was here for that episode as well. I guess he really likes to watch Picard have a day off. Naturally, since JLP was away enjoying himself, he brought his best friends along. There's Guinan. Okay, that one checks out. Ensign Rowe. Well, there's sort of a father-daughter thing there, so fine. And Keiko. Horrible Keiko, who, when Roe shows an interest in her stupid botany crap, well actually her into silence. So, she and Picard are clearly BFF. Why not? Their shuttle passes through some kind of chroniton or soliton or jumbotron field, which strips out their DNA or their riboflavin or whatever, and it turns them into children. Alright, fine. So, now they're all about 12 years old. Roe is adorable. Keiko is also adorable, but... She has a combination frown-scowl all the time, which, yeah, that's about right. The captain has been transformed into his nephew, Rene, which is a little weird. Uh, oh, and then there's Guinan, 
who looks like a young Whoopi Goldberg, but speaks with an incredibly horrible dubbed Armist voice. <laughs> hey, guys, can I pour you a drink? I'm from a race of listeners. Awful. So the children, or rascals as nobody calls them ever, enjoy some adventures. Armist Guinan teaches Roe to stop giving a care and destroy furniture. Keiko creeps out O'Brien, who finally sees a legitimate excuse to bail on her and never look back. And René, sorry, Jean-Luc Picard, is finding that the bridge crew aren't taking him seriously for some reason. So he relieves himself of duty and rolls his eyes as Troy gives him the most obvious advice anyone could give someone in his situation. People will get used to it. He has a chance to relive his childhood. Chocolate is delicious. I mean, it's so sinful. Shut up, lady. And that's all. Four crew members are turned into kids. The episode is over. Nothing else happens. And I actually liked it more than I remembered. <clears throat> Fine. So then a handful of Ferengi beam in from season one and somehow manage to overpower Worf and his security teams, the Enterprise's elaborate security systems, the android with the strength of ten men, and hundreds of other Starfleet officers who almost certainly have had at least some basic combat training. Or at the very least, the two-fisted Kirk Karate Chop. Those are some pretty impressive Ferengi. You can tell because one of them stares at Picard's fish for five minutes. Another one is outwitted by a Roomba. And a third falls for a knock-on-the-door-and-run-away trick. I am not making a single one of these up. Finally, the Enterprise is rescued by the prepubescent commandos, and O'Brien does some kind of mumbo and or jumbo to return everyone to their normal ages. The end. Yay! Yay! I did not expect to like two-thirds of this episode. I liked all of this episode, all thirds of this episode. I, I also really enjoyed all thirds of this episode. For one thing, they had that yeah. hilarious running gag about Picard being bald and enjoying his new hair that he had it back. And see, I was, I was, uh, I was <laughs> trying to cut that out. I was, like I said, picking my battles. I was letting that be my last battle. For <laughs> Let this be it. All right. Actually, Matt, if you if you liked all thirds of it so much, let's just skip over the other stuff and talk about your bad thing. If you liked all thirds of this, why don't you marry it, Matt? Because I can't marry a television show, Al. That's why. Not until the Supreme <laughs> Court finishes their hearings. Yes. It's going to be a while. That's an American that's... politics joke, Matt. That's... Vote yes on Prop 4,376. That's why I have the uh, Facebook avatar with the equal sign and little rabbit ears on top of it. Yeah. So, Matt, because I know you actually agree with me, why don't mm. you tell me your bad thing? The Ferengi in this uh -huh. are just... <laughs> embarrassingly bad aren't they just i mean like okay we've spent like six years now not building them up into anything but at least getting away from what they used to be which well what was... i said was they beamed in from season one because they yeah. really regressed back to what they used to be they they were not terrible the last couple of times like just dumb and sad and like this this episode basically turned into home alone if the guy if the crooks from home alone were like functionally retarded yeah, but it would be if the guys from Home Alone managed to take over a military base. Yeah, like... You like, guys are really making me want here? to see that movie. What, Home Alone with Ferengi? Home Alone, Home Home Alone, Alone on a military base, where, like, the entire <laughs> army goes away for operations, leaving Macaulay Culkin behind. Oh, no, 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 no. They can't go away, because these Ferengi took over with everyone there. Yeah. That's, that's the part that really, really bugs me, and it's a it's main plot point. Yeah. Uh, when you say they, they beamed in from season one, they almost literally did. Nearly every Ferengi actor in this, I checked, was in The Last Outpost playing one of those Ferengi. Armin Shimmerman was like... the, the only Last Outpost Ferengi that didn't make it. And he was over probably working on the DS9 pilot at yeah. this point. Uh, like the captain was like... the same captain, or the Daemon. 
Did I they... feel like at this point we've only got like there's only five Ferengi actors, and they just keep using them over and over again. Why don't they just give all the like give them the same names and just they come back that way? That way we have like recurring well, villains as strong. That turns into the uh, the crew of the Federa of uh, the crew of the Enterprise fighting the Beagle Boys almost. So yeah, the Ferengi that's that's the third that I didn't like. The kid stuff I actually thought was kind of fun. Yeah, but... like I I I thought it was actually kind of hilarious watching these kids run around and you know mm -hmm. like the 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 kid that plays Picard is particularly awesome. He is. But, yeah. Like the fa just just because they're they're kids doesn't mean they need to be fighting like Saturday morning like yeah. Well, they didn't you have know, to do the Home Alone thing. They didn't have to do the wacky booby traps and stuff. It's like, you don't need to drop a safe on this guy. That's fucking stupid. Plus, where did they get a safe? Yeah, exactly. I think if this basic story had played out, like, down on a colony where the kids weren't surrounded by a thousand qualified people. Yeah. I think it, it would have bugged me a lot less. It just, no one, apart from, like, uh, uh, what do you call it, um, possessing crew members. Mm -hmm. No one's ever taken over the Enterprise, especially not a crew of bumbling Ferengi. That's just yeah. That's just sad. It's and just it's pathetic. like they're just waiting to trip over each other. Where did they put? Where did they put the crew again? I don't even remember. Well, they were beaming them down to the planet to be mine slaves, but they were only doing it like six at a time. Yeah, yeah. that's the, 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 the. There were only like five Ferengi and right. a dog. Yeah, and a dog. Yes, <laughs> and they left Bill up there to tell them how to run the ship. I guess. Well, yeah. Which ties nicely into a uh, great, great segue set up there. Ties nicely uh, yeah, into thank you. I'm, I'm glad you. <laughs> yeah. So Bill is, is awesome in this episode. I'm sorry, like, Matt, uh, for the new listeners, you should, you should say who Bill is. Oh, excuse me. Nails is awesome in this episode. Thank you. He has some great moments throughout it with like, with his scenes with like little Picard in front of the Ferengi mm -hmm. and then his later explanation on how to steer the ship, which is hilarious. <laughs> and he also, he also really captures the whole, okay, everyone, this is weird, right? I, Which comes up a lot in the first half of the episode. See, there's a, they don't say it a lot, but there are some meaningful looks. When they yeah. come on the bridge and he just looks at Worf and he's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> no, it's, it, it's, it's weird, right? But on the <laughs> other hand, it's weird, but it's like, you know what? We're on the Enterprise. This shit happens. I, yeah. I read about the original Enterprise experience this exact opposite thing where they all turned old. Like, this shit just happens. It's like, this is not even the, even the weirdest thing that's happened to us this week. Yeah, Remember that point. time Jordy was a lizard? Yeah, I was a lizard <laughs> with an arm. <laughs> I was a walking blacklight poster. How did that even work? Remember when I could see for five minutes? That was weird. How come I didn't keep that? Remember, uh, and then and then Worf is just staring at uh, Picard. What is that kid's name? <laughs> Who are you? You're not Wesley, are you? No. Damn it. Wesley was I would love that shorter, just before the end of the episode. taller. You're his roommate. <laughs> No, he killed that. No, he killed his roommate. That can't be right. <laughs> oh yeah, Wesley killed a guy. I'm never gonna gonna forget that. Remember that time Wesley Crusher killed a guy? <laughs> Whoops. I just I like saying it like that. It's not exactly that way, but yeah, it is. Wesley killed a guy. Yep. Way to kill a guy, Wesley. Yep. All right, Brian. Oh, how about man. you? Tell me about a good thing. Well, a good thing is, uh, as we uh, already mentioned uh, briefly, and uh, uh, we'll mention again in your good thing. Uh, Lil Picard is a very solid actor, but I also really like the writing on him. Uh, how he wants yeah. to retain his command, but he accepts the fact that it's going to be basically impossible to maintain his air of authority now that he's a spunky tween. Mm -hmm. uh, he 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 actually puts thought into his current situation how it affects his life plans, what new opportunities it presents, the challenges. You know, he deals with, with what he has, 
which yep. is more than we can say for let's go into my bad thing keiko uh, there's a scene with keiko at home where yeah. the very thinly layered subtext is hi miles i'm 10 now why won't you have sex with me She's that was like British office awkward. That was yeah. so awkward, so, and yeah, it's not yeah, like, like sexual, but like she like sits next to him on the couch and like snuggles up to him, and she, yeah, she's not accepting of the fact that as far as her husband is concerned, there is a mysterious child in his apartment making him coffee and caring for his daughter and trying to cuddle him, and she treats him or he treats her like she's a stranger. She's yeah. like, uh, he's like, I want some coffee. Oh, I'll get it. I take it with cream and two sugars. I know. Like, he doesn't think of her as the same person. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not, like, like denying just, the seriousness of her situation. But it, it's just, it's so Keiko to just be all like, Miles, come to bed now. Yep. <laughs> right. Why but, is this weird for you? <laughs> and I mean, it's bad for her. Like, it must be hard for her to not be able to rely on the most important person to her. But she's got to accept that it's a hard thing for both oh, totally, of them. Oh, totally. But still. This isn't just her yeah, thing. I'm she's the only with. one here with problems. That's so. Yeah. I I will absolutely give that to you. I mean, not that it's up to me to decide if your bad thing is truly bad. But yeah. I mean, well, I is will... that what we're doing now? Yes, <laughs> I'm the arbiter of the good thing and the bad thing. I'm, I'm going to put on the Q judge robes and every time and say nope. Those are going to look great for Emerald City next year. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I just think um, that it's so but... hard for O'Brien that his wife has gotten 20 years younger and his daughter has gotten three years older. <laughs> well, that's what happens on the Enterprise. Alexander grew, like, you know, 10 years in a day. Mm-hmm. And uh, Molly, we had some debate as to how old she was, but I think we all agree that she's definitely aged more quickly than she yeah, should Yeah, well, she, she yeah. showed up on the show about nine months previously, I think, and she's mm-hmm. already, like, talking. And yeah. I mean, they only show her lying in bed, which I think was probably, at least in part, to not have her be next to Keiko and have us go, oh, yeah, they're very close. Right. Right. <laughs> Um, and actually, but like I was going to say, your bad thing, I totally agree with, but on the other hand, I won't blame the writing because it's very in character for Keiko. Oh, oh it, it is. Totally yeah, is. no, no. It, yeah. It's in character. My bad thing is yeah. that she's annoying, not that she's written badly. Yeah. From, no. from the standpoint of within the show, it is absolutely a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That lady just needs to learn how to not be horrible. And she, <laughs> even when she's 12, she can't not be horrible. Ugh. At least 12 year olds yeah. are supposed to be self-centered. Yeah. All I all I can think of is is O'Brien just thinking, oh my god, what if she stays like this? What if I have to go through teenage girl Keiko? <laughs> well, and that's uh, maybe I'll just kill myself now. <laughs> that's what I was saying in my summary. Is the, I just assume he'll grab Molly and bolt in the night? Yeah, like finally I have a reason. Nope, no no court in the, in the universe would uh, would convict me for this. Um, this uh, what you were saying about O'Brien though actually ties into to my good thing, which is uh, overall the acting in this. Um, oh, yeah. The kid actors, like you said, uh, Lil Picard, but all of them, really, I quite liked. Uh, Ro really carries her whole, I never had a childhood, and I'm struggling with the idea that maybe now I can enjoy myself a little bit. Yeah. And uh, Keiko is still in character. Like, that actor did exactly what was given to her. Mm-hmm. But also the supporting cast. Also, well, the supporting cast in this in this story. They're mm-hmm. usually the main cast. Like, right. Yeah. Like yeah. Matt said. Uh, Colmini did a fantastic job. I oh mean, yeah! How do you play that? How do you tell an actor? Okay, now your wife of a year or two is now a child. Go. Uh, but it can't come off as creepy. Yeah, or at least not too creepy. No, you're not into it. Go. No. Uh And he totally he he totally sells it. Like even when yeah. he finally sort of gives in and like hugging her because she's losing it because. Their kid doesn't know well, who you she guys, is anymore. You guys pointed out the love seat, which is like a really good 
Like, it really helped the whole best, I don't yeah. want to sit with you thing. Best actor yeah. in this episode was the prop department for coming up with the most awkward <laughs> sofa in the world. The, well, and, It's got and these weird, off. like, low, far-back arms, so you can't lean on it without looking, like, bizarre, and they're able so to just, half like, that twist. was his acting, and half of it was he couldn't physically sit very close to her. And he sort of, like, no. twisted his legs away from, like, the... Right. Just because that's the way that you have to sit on a couch like that. Yeah, well, I don't really want... Nope. Yeah. Um, and, of course, runner-up also goes to the prop department for that lovely uh, Roomba. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> Which was just fantastic. No, no wonder you know, it Sean, captivated the hearts and minds of the Ferengi. <laughs> once again, showing how, how Star Trek has influenced current-day technology, you know? Well, no, because The, the inventors didn't... of the Roomba looked at that and were like, yeah, that's what we want. Except it should be a vacuum. It shouldn't just drive around for no reason. It should what have no. a purpose. Did they ever say what it was? Well, they got it from the school. I assume it's like a remote control car or something. Yeah. It's that but thing Alexander was reading Alexander in the next Alexander was trying episode. to learn how to ride it. Yeah. <laughs> or no, there's, um, I mean, uh, future YouTube and, and future Tumblr is covered in uh, videos of Tribbles riding on those things. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't that be on current Tumblr? It probably is. <laughs> don't don't go search now. We'll we'll take care of that after the. Uh... You're just saying that because you don't want my my keyboard tabs to be on the episode. <laughs> your keyboard's pretty loud. You need a tablet, then you can discreetly look things up while you're bored. Oh God, someday. <laughs> okay, my original bad thing. I'm also going to change this up. We're we're re-recording. We had some technical issues uh, mm. a couple of days ago, and I've kind of rethought like the bald thing. And also, I was going to say number one dad because part of this episode really does feel like um sort of pandery and i have a real problem with pandery like like the puppet episode of angel mm. and to some extent when brian was here before with the cupid i just mm -hmm. it's like the writer sitting around and saying here's some fan service here's a cute thing that writes itself yeah and i'm not super keen on that particularly when there's little catchphrases but i got to thinking about it and the reason it bugs me is because people drove it into the ground since the episode it's not really the episode's fault so i take that back all right. My bad thing is the fact that Worf can't hit a Ferengi ten feet in front of him with a uh, phaser. Yeah, that's a bad thing. That's yeah. Th Worf hasn't been that embarrassing since he tried to shoot the view screen. <laughs> oh, I that forgot was a long about time that. Ago. That was season no, one. No, that was that was yeah. That was the pilot. that was the first episode. Yeah, that was when Worf was on his Elvis kick. Though he wasn't like, actually trying to hurt somebody. He just, well, yeah. He thought it was Robert Goulet on the screen. <laughs> Goulet. Robert Goulet. He has no honor. <laughs> But it just, it, I mean, maybe 10 feet away. It's Worf is up at his security station. The guy beams in sort of in front of Data's station. So it's not that yeah. far away. It's and, like as embarrassing as when they edited uh, Greedo shooting Han Solo into the uh, uh, the mm -hmm. Star Wars movie. Like, it's that embarrassing of a miss. Yeah. Right. And uh, the Ferengi just ducks out of the way. He just moves he to one even, side. He, he, he does like a dive, which I totally don't expect from a Ferengi. Yeah. And like I said... I mean, okay, if he crouched under it, maybe, yes. Well, but, and, uh... and because of that, I thought, okay, maybe I remembered wrong. Maybe these Ferengi are actually kind of together. Maybe mm -hmm. they're sort of more military guys. Maybe they're not all simpering, greedy, you know. Like, maybe if he can dive out of the way of a phaser, he's actually pretty cool, but no. No. It does set up the... That's his uh, one great thing. <laughs> it does set up the greatest action dive in Star Trek history, when even though nobody's shooting at him or even looking at him, Riker jumps out of the way, does a barrel roll, and then talks to the computer, which he could have done standing up. Right. Well, you know, that was just awesome. 
that's when that's his uh, fight or flight reflex. He's going <laughs> to yep. fight, but for briefly he's going to flight. <laughs> what was missing from that? Him yelling, "Out of the way, I'm Riker." <laughs> <laughs> well, he does get a he does get a, a two handed Kirk punch in there at some point. He does indeed. When <laughs> when everything starts coming together in the last act and they're starting to take everyone out, he he totally just like wham. Now, now that I've gotten used to those, I kind of enjoy them. Oh, I absolutely do. Just as ridiculous as the two-hand punch to the back is. Yeah. It's an established thing. It were, I mean, it's oh, yeah. no more ridiculous than the Vulcan neck pinch, which doesn't, you know, it, there's no way to pinch someone's neck and make them collapse. It doesn't no, exist. trust me, I've tried. It yeah. is a bit we odd that he sure. decided to do it when Picard had a phaser trained on the Frankie, like... We can stun him just by pressing a button, well, again, or you can do the clumsiest punch in the world. I think. Well, I like that Riker was just mad. Yeah, I have had like enough last, of you. <laughs> he just spent like the last hour and a half faking teaching this guy how to uh, yeah. how to run the computer. I, I imagine teenage the... Picard really wanted to be like an action star, though. He's like, number one, could you could you just could you not could you just would you just honestly could you just give me this, please? <laughs> Computer, show me a drawing of the Enterprise. <laughs> All right, fine. I'll do it in my ready room. <laughs> Get out of my chair! <laughs> Willikins, this is my chair! Which, Get this Ferengi out of it! Which ties in nicely to the next episode where uh, Beverly's uh, <laughs> casting a play and she says Picard could be the butler. Very, <laughs> very good, sir. Time-traveling Captain Picard in the dual role of Nick and Willikins. <laughs> Well, great. We should have uh, we should have asked him in Emerald City if he could do that. Man, that would have totally gotten people to the panel. Yes, it absolutely would have. Um, Excuse us, Mister Stewart. Uh, yeah, we gotta we gotta. Could we borrow you for an hour? Just just an hour. It'll be fine. Sir, Here, read this sir. script. All right. I don't have anything else going on. Well, am I supposed to be some sort of English twit? That's right. <laughs> Uh, so what else? What else happened? Uh, I like the way that they dispatched the Ferengi, which got less and less subtle each time. Because first oh, they did yeah. the complicated, like, well, just to set it up for the listeners, they the um they teleport them all into the uh, transporter pad, which has the, uh, oh, the the force field set up over it. The force yeah. field that no one's ever seen before, which is right. every time there's a force field in this show, someone bumps up against it, then they start feeling it, and then the next person, no, 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 are you doing it? Are you, did you try walking out? Oh. Well, that's it's, my favorite is when the, the, the third guy comes in and he, like, just decides to step off, like, you guys, what you forgot to do is to try walking off of the transporter pad. Hey. Obviously. Whoa! Yeah. And then they feel it, like, what? But so, yeah. but, so you're not as incompetent as you appear. <laughs> so but the, we can't the call out they... these Ferengi <laughs> for that, because every character ever does oh, yeah. that. It was just more pronounced because there was like four of them inside this tiny well, little thing. And they also do it Ferengi style where they sort of crouch back and sort of bat at it like a cat. And... Please don't say do it Ferengi style ever again. <laughs> do it Ferengi style. Yeah. All right. So anyway, Brian. Anyway, with the, with, the, with the way they get them on there is by um, uh, sneaking up and bumping them all with uh, communicators. And... Essentially uh, Home Alone style, yeah. as we said. Exactly. Yes. The first one they do is by attaching it to that crazy Roomba thing. And, like, uh -huh. head driving it in and luring the guy away and stuff. And then the second time, it's just Ro and Guinan run up and smack them on the back and say, tag, you're it. Ha, 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 ha. Right. And then oh, the and third cute. one, the third one, or the fourth one, technically, because that was for two, is mm -hmm. Alexander just walks out of the, uh, the uh, classroom and goes, oh, here, nice. and hands the guy <laughs> a communicator. Oh, what's this? What? I, I love that. Not I even trying. I think it's like... 
It's like if you weren't really pe- if you were an idiot. <laughs> oh yeah, the kid just walked up like, well, what what harm could this do? Sure, here, what is take this? this. Oh yeah, well, I mean that is sort of the natural thing. Here, yeah. take this. All right. No, but it did come off because of the progression. It did come off as yeah. <laughs> they're obviously stupid. Kind of the it's like the okay, plan we're D out of ideas. Media. Just fucking go hand it to him. Yep. And then the next, the last one just gets punched in the head by Riker. So. Yep. Well, I mean, like I say, he has had enough of them. <laughs> That was a very good double-handed punch you just did, number one. You're my best friend. <laughs> God, that's um, sad. <laughs> so my they, second um, best friend is Alexander. Uh, <laughs> that actually brings me nicely to my quote. You could return to the academy. Take another degree. Brush up on your Latin. And be Wesley Crush's roommate. And... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to go back to Starfleet Academy I, and live with Wesley Crusher. I loved that so much. That was like what we were all thinking, basically. I'll learn right. all now sorts of new life children. lessons from my favorite Martian. Excuse me, it should be Wellesley Crusher. Oh. <laughs> Wellesley. I feel like we're losing a bunch of people with that. <laughs> um, the only the only real problem apart from the Ferengi that I had <laughs> was, you know what? Okay, this is a dumb premise. I'm not... Like, it's just dumb. Mm-hmm. Fine. Yeah. I don't care. They turn into kids. Once you get over that in the first 30 seconds, it's like, okay, this is fun. Who cares? Yeah, it works. Um, But three different times, people try to explain what happened. Fucking oh, yeah. Get on so with it. Tedious. Yeah. But, like, it's not even... It's three different times in the same act. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. It's, like, it's so like, like they're pursuing the mystery of what happened, and it really doesn't matter to us. There's no mystery. Like the transporter went it. all wanky, and they turned into kids. That's the, that, We, yeah, as Star Trek fans, buy that. Yeah, it yeah. split Kirk into good and evil Kirk. I mean, this stuff has happened before. This is much yeah. less stupid than that. Yeah, or yeah. the transporter sending you to an alternate universe where everyone's evil. Like, the transporter does shit like yeah. that. Yeah. It's not a big deal. I mean, I think it's dumb, and I think it's a plot device that... It's the second worst sort of... piece of technology they own after the holodeck, which we'll be hearing about right. next episode. <laughs> but it's, but it's also a star, like it's a Star Trek trope. It's going to happen. Yeah. Although I was just thinking about it, I don't know that it's ever happened in Next Gen before. Like you had the stupid transporter monsters, but we haven't really had a proper transporter does something goofy to people episode in Next Gen so far. I don't think. Well, I would like to think at this point they're like, okay, we can't do the transporter fucks up because at this point they know how they work. Well. They even had uh, O'Brien going, look, I fi- look, people know how this thing works now, okay? Yeah. Well, and a few hey, weeks ago. Let me explain ago, it to you again, Barkley. Actually, uh, Irish Gav was uh, was pointing out that they, you know, in that episode, they said something like, uh, it's been 30 years since a, uh, since a transporter mishap, and now they have to change the sign. <laughs> yep. It's been one day. <laughs> it's, it has been one week since the crew, the crew of, of the Enterprise was turned into children. Yeah. Um... But yeah, apart from having to explain it, which I think was just completely unnecessary, yeah, I, I enjoyed the whole kid thing. I was it was quite good, and each of the plots, each of the four kids' plot. Well, Guinan was sort of hooked up with Rose, so really, yeah, yeah. each of the three plots explored in a completely different angle. Uh, Picard losing his respect, mm-hmm. uh, Keiko trying to keep her marriage together, and mm-hmm. Ro learning to give a care. Like it was yeah. a nice, it was a nice, well-rounded exploration of the concept. Learning to and jump I, I on love, the world's I love least jumpable bed. Yeah. I love how Picard, as a kid, sort of handles it. Yeah. Because at first he's just like, all right, everyone uh, just, you well, know. Well, that's what okay. Brian was saying. He kind of goes through the whole, I can do this. I can, uh, you know, I can. But it's 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 just, it's such a Picard thing. He's so embarrassed. Yep. <laughs> and he just wants to get back to work and not think about it at all well, until it goes away. It's a bit like the episode Brian was here for before was Cupid, where um, uh, Vash shows up. And it's very similar. 
where he's mm-hmm. just so embarrassed. There's very undignified things happening. He's just trying to ignore it. And there's Ferengi annoying him. It's not working. Yeah. <laughs> it's very similar in a way. <laughs> Except they nobody's wearing tiny pants. <laughs> well, well. I'm kind of glad about that. They pull out the Gamera shorts. They could have very easily in the school. Like, the uniform for school is a little short. Oh, my short God. <laughs> Alexander, are you Alexander... auditioning to be in a Japanese monster movie? <laughs> Gamera is my boyfriend, father. <laughs> I gotta say, Alexander was actually pretty good. In, uh... Yeah, he was, he was great. He was just so really happy he to... got to participate. Yeah, he wanted to yep. please the captain much in the way he likes to please his father. And he, he stands at attention. Yeah. Picard gives him an order and he stands at attention and salutes. It's like, aw. That kid's well, great you for know standing Worf at attention been... with his giant head. And... Yeah. You know Worf has been drilling this shit into him. That since is the he... captain. If you know, do if not you make see eye contact. Him, you will stand up. Yeah. You will not embarrass me in front of the captain. I think we've all known dads like that. Maybe some of us have dads like that. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> that seems very likely. <laughs> Do we have any further business? Because that would be a fine uh, segue um, into the next episode. Yeah, I think, but if you guys uh, have other points. I think that's it. Because uh, yeah. Guidance hat as... shrinks when the rest of her does. <laughs> that's okay. Her, her, her hat shrinks as her voice gets uh, deeper. <laughs> well, they, they, they had the whole, like, their clothes were basically the same size both ways. And it's one of those things. Uh, well, it's when what, they got like, off the transporter, whatever. they all had slightly baggy sleeves. But less, but than, only... less than they should have been. Yeah, and yeah. then when they beam back, like Picard had the exact same. Like, yeah, his his uniform fit fine, and it just they made of unstable sense. molecules, so mm-hmm. that's all right. Uh, sure. <laughs> I don't uh, know. In fact, one of my final notes is here. Shouldn't his little uniform be too tight? Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's an episode nope. about them turning into kids, just fucking shrugging. Yeah, it's off. Like, yeah that's your problem with this one, right? The Ferengi no, turn I into. Oh man, mm-hmm. I just had I just had a great idea for uh, a different ending. That they uh, the Frankie that were on the transporter being held prisoner, they get turned into kids, mm-hmm. and then they go uh, here oh, we yeah, go again. Ship, be... oh. And then they get back to their ship where there'll be no trouble at all. Ah, where there'll be no trouble on a Roomba at all. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, I, I, one final thing from me. They had uh, actually the Ferengi captain had one really good line. Where they were talking about uh, Picard uh, posing as Riker's kid, and uh, the Fringy captain sort of threatens him, and he's like, "Well, we we care about our children. Why would you do that?" And he's like, "Yeah, we care about our children too. We don't bring them out on dangerous <laughs> starships out in space. No, we just save that for the space stations in the middle of a war zone. Uh, that's a good yeah. point." But uh, Matt, Matt and I point... decided that um, the the Ferengi that was holding uh, Picard prisoner at that point was the captain's son. Like, oh, yeah, but he was a, he was an adult son thanks, at least. Dad. Yes, I'm right here. You love that <laughs> fish that more than you love me. Look at them; they love each other so much. No, we don't. <laughs> I've seen what a real family is now. And the silver spoon. <laughs> All right, now we're definitely pushing Little boy blue and the man yeah. living on Moonbase Seven. <laughs> okay, you know what? If someone managed to play little uh, cats in the cradle on Picard's flute, I would just be—I would just fall on the floor in a puddle of my own tears. That'll be great for the uh, CD. It'll follow up Bob's uh, Klingon rendition of Nine Nine Luft Balloons. Uh, uh, although that does guess... provide a nice segue if you want to move into the uh, the next episode. Speaking of Picard's uh, flute, yeah, Picard's. I'm just saying we're, we're having yeah. we're having a great episode for segues here. Yeah, which is indeed we are. Which is strange because that's usually sort of my weakest thing. <laughs> but uh, yes, go ahead and tell us about a fistful 
of Datas. Okay. <clears throat> Fistful of Datas. Act 1. Il Bruno, Il Bruto, Il Klingon. Or, The Adventures of Alexander County Jr. The Enterprise has a spare few days before their rendezvous with whatever the hell ambassadors or vaccines or mulleted ambassadocenes they were supposed to be doing this week. So the crew is taking some time off. A lot of that going around lately. I guess I really do like to watch Picard have a day off. <laughs> Two in a row. Jordy is growing a beard and wants to make Data's brain the new computer for funsies. Crusher wants Picard to be a butler in one of her stupid plays. And Picard is trying to play hot cross buns or something on a recorder, which is making Al cry for some reason. No, it's not. Shut up. <laughs> Worf just wants some busy work because he's de desperate to avoid spending time with his son. But no such luck. Put down that toaster oven, Alexander. It's off to the holodeck for a cowboy adventure. Act 2. High Stellar Plane Drifter, or For a Few Datas More. Once on the holodeck, Sheriff Worf gets in on the whole scene, rounding up ruffians and offensive Mexican stereotypes, making his son proud, and enjoying the company of Troy, who's wearing a sexy cowboy costume and speaking in a fake Western accent. Although, that could just be what her actual accent is this week. But, oh no! Back at Science Central, which is the name of Geordi and Data's pillow fort, they find out that turning Data's brain into the ship's computer has the unforeseen consequence of turning Data's brain into the ship's computer. <laughs> Picard's Mozat. Mo Mozat? What's that composer? Mozat. Good old Mozat. <laughs> Picard's Mozart is replaced with Dvorak. Crusher's scripts turn into Data's poem, and nobody minds because it's less terrible. And most importantly, the holodeck is now swarming with evil Data's. I guess it's that kind of episode. The kind of episode with a swarm of evil datas. Actually, a swarm of evil datas is called a murder. <laughs> Act 3. What is, a, what is a swarm of lores, then? A slore. A schlong. <laughs> a large and <laughs> moving slore. <laughs> Act 3. Bad day at Vasquez Rocks. Or 310 to Kronos. It should go without saying that the computer won't freeze program and the safety protocols are disabled, because this thing is a death trap. <laughs> Troy realizes that if they can rescue the now-kidnapped Alexander and complete the program, it will end naturally. Worf is fine with this, because no sidewinding, bushwhacking, horn-swoggling cracker croaker is gonna ruin his biscuit cutter. <laughs> After some wacky mix-em-ups with honor, Sheriff Worf and the Troy with no name pull the classic western move of rigging their communicators into personal force fields, and they send the villains packing. So, after an amorous advice from sassy saloon barmaid Data... The program ends and the day is saved, and... Wait, did anyone else on the ship even know they were in trouble? <laughs> oh, also, I've, like... I've, I've got a few oh, more. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, no Country for Young Klingons. True Honor. Alexander, Get Your Gun. Have Phaser. Will Travel. Dr. Crusher. Medicine Woman. Cowboys and Those Guys We Know. Geordi Unchained. Jesse James Meets Caniculus's Daughter. Heading 223 Mark 6 Ho the Wagons. The Outlaw Fadian Okana. Dances with Targs, and starring Data as himself as Pancho Villa. Once Upon a Time on Rigel 7. King of Texas. Bring Me the Head of Harcourt Fenton Mud. The Great Bird of the Galaxy Robbery. And The Assassination of James Kirk by the Coward Tolian Soren. Okay, I I'm done now. I don't know if we should applaud that or groan. What do you think, Matt? I'm pretty impressed, I gotta tell you. <laughs> Alright, well, you applaud, I'll groan. <laughs> um... There are a lot of good points you made there. The, the well, two things, both Jordy related. One, I like the idea that uh, on his off day, Jordy grows a beard. That is, <laughs> that's that is the uh, activity he engages. He, in. he tries to grow a beard. Well, that's true. Um, also, if you were doing Jordy Unchained, it sort of started with a D. Oh, I did. The I actually I changed it in the uh, the Google document. Uh, I saw. <laughs> oh, so he did. Uh, 
The D is Silent Hill, Billy. <laughs> uh, so your good thing, Brian? Uh, well, my good thing is that this isn't just a funny episode. It really works well as a Western. As you can tell from my uh, my list of uh, Western jokes I had lined up, uh, I do uh, tend to enjoy the uh, genre. Uh, it, the plot is largely based on Rio Bravo, which is a, a pretty okay movie John Wayne did after he saw High Noon and it made him run home crying like a whiny little jerk. Uh, there's also references to Shane and a number of other Westerns. Uh, the, the villain is played by John Piper Ferguson, who goes on to play Pete on the adventures of Briscoe County Jr., which is a fantastic show, uh, premiered the following year. Uh, it's just, uh, it, it's really solid as a Western. Like you, you feel it, mm-hmm. Worf gets into it. Uh, he enjoys it, what he's doing. Well, and, and the thing is, I'm not that into Westerns. There's a handful that I like mm-hmm. that are not particularly Westerns. I like uh, Django Unchained. Yeah, like, yeah you've uh, seen Django about 15 times Well, yes, and I paid for it every time. Who says I didn't? Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> the Coen's True Grit, like, and I like the show Deadwood, but that's about it. Um, but this show, this episode managed to sort of channel the, like you, may, you name specific references, but as yeah. a sort of an outsider, I see... The, the standard trappings. I see the, the gunfight at high noon, and I see the, you know, the, the guy riding into town with his kid, and, and he's too powerful to, you know, to, to uh, be captured. And, yeah, yeah, and of exactly. In Rio Bravo, is the guy's brother, but it's the same basic thing that, like, there's the, right. the, the low life hood, but he's got a powerful connection. Right, exactly. And there's so much of that that I still recognize it, you know, as part of the overall pop culture. And I thought that was a lot of fun seeing our familiar characters in that setting. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, it, it occurred to me that this is basically elementary Dear Data, but with Worf instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's basically the same setup, only because Worf is a completely different character, you end up with a completely different episode, which is a, a total testament to the fact that these characters have been so well-rounded at this point. Yeah. A- except for one. But, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I- Matt, you want to uh, you want to address that? She starts to get her due in this one. She does. Why don't you Why don't you talk about that? This uh, may be the best Troy episode ever. Yep. yep. You get to see all that cool stuff she got to do. You get to see all the badass shit she was wearing. You see how tight her pants were. Yes, I did. You see her jump. You see her jump out of out of a. Uh, you see her jump out of a hay bale Ezio style with a shotgun. Fucking rocked. Give us this every episode. I actually was thinking. Not only should she be a badass like this in every episode, she should literally just keep the cowboy outfit on, keep the terrible Western accent, and just yep. sit there on the bridge like that, threatening Romulans or whatever with her shotgun. Yeah, it's working with her legs for her, up so... smoking. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. This is... I think it feels like the producers had this directive. Look, season six, six years, let's finally fix Counselor Troy. Because Please? in two weeks we get uh, Chain of Command where she finally gets a uniform. <laughs> yeah. It feels like they're they're slowly trying to say, okay, she's she's the worst. Let's make her not the worst, please. Let's make her the best. Well, well they never quite the go best way to do that let's, is let's to give her, her shotgun the worst first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> although she was one of the, she was top three in this holodeck. <laughs> it's true. Uh, so I don't know, Brian, your bad thing. Uh, well, my bad thing was that um, the idea that first uh the the main villain and then his son and then his two henchmen all turned into data. Because mm-hmm. uh, I I didn't make this very clear. It's it's like they said is because Data's brain was uh, the uh, right. the the recreational programs had uh, mm-hmm. been affected by it. Um, so Data was in the holodeck. Right. And uh, I like the idea that that they all turned into. I think they should have gone further with it because you know at the end when like the big showdown starts, you see like the people like running away and like closing up the shutters and stuff. 
I think those all yeah. should have been data. That would have been like a really yeah. tiny thing, but it would have uh, added to the atmosphere of the episode a lot. You know, the uh, the 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 guy playing the piano in the saloon who uh, puts the cover up and runs behind it. Right. That kind no, of thing. I I totally agree, and I think it's interesting that all three of us had a real hard time picking bad things. Yeah, I mean that's a sort super small thing. Bad like thing. Yeah, no, this is it's a great episode. It was strange to me that two really fun, lighthearted episodes came back to back. It seems like you want to pace those out a little bit. Yeah, because this in my was... he... go ahead. In my head, it's uh, it's probably another problem with uh, when uh, James Doohan was on the episode. Like he missed his episode. And yeah, relics kind of fucked everything up. Whole... Yeah, yeah, they had to rearrange their whole. Yeah, like maybe these were supposed to come on opposite ends of chain of command instead of. Uh... Yeah, that yeah. would have been nice because that both parts of that are super fucking dark. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's I mean it's cool on the show that we get to review two really fun ones in the same week, but it just feels weird pacing wise. Yeah, but yeah this no, one, it absolutely does. As far as Rascals, I kind of enjoyed that, but this one because the danger is sort of integrated into the story, like yeah, it's not like suddenly a dangerous thing happens. It's all it yeah. all flows really nicely. Yeah, no, for once it's, it's not. Here's the yeah. wacky part, and here's a danger to go with it. Yeah, an unrelated yeah. danger from our pile of, uh, you know, B-stories that we have over no here. Who haven't we used in a while? Right. Um, and it also is still funny. Like, while it's, you know, while it's horrible and dangerous that these all these guys all have the strength of an android, it's also funny to see him play, you know, ham it up. And, oh, well, yeah. Watching oh, Spiner ham it up is the best. Me, the sheriff rushed me up real bad, Paul. Right. It's like, that's great stuff. Or when he's playing Mexican <laughs> yeah. Scotty. <laughs> oh yeah, Mexican Scotty returns in this episode. Uh-huh. It's very good, or... Senor. <laughs> oh, you're what? very funny. Did Data? <laughs> did Data end up being him? I don't. Data, remember. yeah, because remember he was. Uh, yes, he was yes, up he on did. the roof, but for some reason never tried gun. to shoot anyone. Oh right, 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 right. I um, but I mean the fact that the danger is also funny. Yeah, makes it an even better uh, comedy piece, and in fact that kind of goes into my good thing. This is probably the best comedy episode they ever did, and not just the fish out of water stuff. Yeah. Yep. I mean, before they even get on the holodeck, you got that great scene at the beginning where um, Picard is uh, taking the day off and, and mm-hmm. doing some stuff, and uh, people keep ringing the bell, and it's classic comedy writing 101, where he's sort of 10 seconds in and someone interrupts him, and the next time it's sort of 7 seconds in and someone interrupts him. Like, it's it's so by the book, but it's fucking hilarious. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then, um, and then, of course, uh, uh, Worf, who is the funniest fish out of water character, unless Livingston made it out of his tank somehow. But, <laughs> to uh, run yeah, away I'm... with the Frankie. Right. <laughs> Come on, let's flop out of here. You're um, the only one who understands me, Livingston. <laughs> Let me take you away from all of this. Also, uh, a nitpicky point of order: Livingston is not canon. They Wait, never really? as Livingston on the show. Yep. You're blowing my mind here, Al. <laughs> it was it was a behind the scenes thing. He was named after one of the producers or whatever, but uh, no, he never uh, was. Li- he never, was I mean, when, was Livingston also the name occasion? of that soup that he ate? And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was made out of that the fish. Actually, no wonder Oddly the Frank could have delicious. <laughs> But um, Worf, I mean, uh, you guys both mentioned when they when they first get in the holodeck and uh, he's checking it out. And he's like, "Oh, okay." And uh, I mean, you're the sheriff, Father. Law enforcement. And he gets I love the delivery in his on eye. that. Yeah. Law enforcement. Worf smiling so is always comedy gold. Oh god, yeah. yeah. And it's just because you see him upset all the time. Not just comedy, but just character-wise. It's like, oh, something got through to him. 
And, and it's, it's something to do with his kid for a change. Aw. And yeah. it's showing that Alexander really does, like, want to relate to him on that level. He makes him law enforcement. He basically wants to watch his dad at work in a situation yeah. that he's not going to have to worry about him getting killed. No, you can see him putting together something that he, Alexander, would find fun, but also that he knows his father would enjoy. It was mm-hmm. a genuinely yeah. sweet sort of, you know. And it ties into their, their, their Earth heritage, and that's right. so they can share that. <laughs> that right. They're in the ancient West, which is hilarious. And um, the, uh, the the Troy thing, like we talked about this in, I don't remember what episode it was, where she's trying to help him become a better father. Right. And she's sort of counseling the two of them. And now we see this. It's like the three of them spend a lot of time together, and you're starting to see the, the seeds for their relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which... No, I, I remember I remember when I used to watch Trek, I always thought it was weird that their sort of relationship. Yeah, you'd hit Troy's near the end of season seven, you'd be like, what? <laughs> sort of comes out of nowhere, but I mean, yeah, like, I know. what's oldest then? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but I mean, from where we are, it's it's sort of starting to make sense. Wait, exactly? Yeah, as far you as... said that exactly. Yeah, oh, all right. As as far as I'm um... always saying that. Are you? Yeah, I've never heard you say it. You've I don't never actually heard you even... say something ridiculous in an English accent. No. I don't believe that to be true at all. <laughs> I actually didn't know what you were talking about. I was just bluffing. Um, but no, you can you can see like. I don't think there's any other except Jordy and Data, maybe. There's any mm-hmm. other main cast members who hang out sort of off-duty and have a sort of relationship. Like, it seems really obvious because it doesn't happen a lot. You know what well, I mean? Well, up till now, Troy and Bill. Yeah, yeah, but they're ex, you know. Yeah. They're ex-whatever. That doesn't really count. Like, people right. who have made new friends since they got on the Enterprise. <laughs> new friends. Right. Friends. New friends. Join the Enterprise. Make friends. <laughs> Influence people. <laughs> That's what got Jordy there. Be Wesley Crusher's roommate. <laughs> be reg barkley's roommate no way i know what happened to his last roommate <laughs> yeah wesley killed a guy never forget <laughs> um so matt bad thing um i could have gone my entire life without having to see uh data's cleavage it was weird because that's all i don't think that was like brent spiner's actual chest because it, it was a different color from the rest of the uh his, maybe it was, maybe face. it wasn't, Brian. I didn't spend much time looking. And it's he, not uh, like they put on, like... Pecs. No, yeah, it's not like they put on, like, a fake, like, comedy boobs or anything. They just have, like, uh-huh. his, his <laughs> like, you know... I don't know, it was weird. Yeah, he didn't have Conpex. Right. Um, Conpex, as they're known in the business. <laughs> Borrow them from Blackadder. Right. <laughs> um, and, and one of you mentioned there's a there's a scene where he's playing the son in jail, and he's got, like, ridiculous hairy arms. And apparently oh, yeah, that's, uh, uh, Brent Spiner, yeah, because that, that, that might be they just put the plastic thing on because he's probably got a, a Robin Williams chest to go with it. Because his arms mm-hmm. are crazy in that scene, and we never see him because he's always got his long uniform sleeves on. Yeah, but maybe... well, yeah even in um, Fully Functional, she pulls him into the quarters while he's still in his uniform. Like, we never see him. You know, we never see Data stripped down for some reason. Maybe, maybe oh, funny that. Dr. Soong yeah. decided to design an android with hideous body hair. <laughs> it was very important yeah, has... to me that you be able to experience the human condition of laser waxing. Although, if you look at Soong, he had, like, nose hair and ear hair. He was probably a pretty hairy guy himself, and he just designed Data after himself. There you go, Data. I wanted to make sure you were covered in hair <laughs> like exactly your old like man. Your old man. Yeah. Like Lore's hair. Lore doesn't have any body hair, but I made up for it by giving him a spleen. Also, there's that terrible... Uh, it was in one of the later not-good movies. Not that any of them are fantastic. 
But uh, where Bill shaves and they say smooth as an android's bottom. I, I bet not. <laughs> that's what you think, Commander. No, Dana says not, too, actually. Right, that's, that's a good point. But I thought the implication there was my, my bottom is smoother. But I suppose it could mean that he has, as Brian says, uh, Robin Williams hair. <laughs> Robin Williams is the gorilla standard of, uh, of Hollywood body hair. Him yep. or Sean Connery. Yes. But Sean Connery's retired now. Oh, there so. we go, so. Yes. Yeah, so it's Robin Williams by default. And if Robin Williams retires, it's going to be Zachary Quinto, so that'll bring it back into Star Wars. Oh, yeah. That guy's got a Nixon um, beard. Did you say Star Wars? I did. Holy shit! Get off of this podcast! (laughs) Yeah, that's it. You're fired. How did I do that? I don't know. (laughs) It's all a sham. I don't know anything about these Star Treks. I've been lying all this time. Well, you've, in fairness, you've been doing a pretty good bluff job there. Yeah. <laughs> I spent my entire time, recording honest. sessions furiously scanning this memory alpha and crying. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to find out. They're going to find out. I haven't looked at memory alpha in I don't know why. I just, I, I haven't looked at it in a long time, and it's a great resource. Actually, they didn't, re- just, they didn't uh, really have much interesting to say about either ads. of these episodes. They were both like, eh, we uh, came up with some funny jokes and uh, did an episode. Yeah. Eh. I, usually I look at it, and I think Matt does this too, when there's a particularly bad episode and we want to see if they apologize for it. Yeah, I, I and usually they do. Their, their whole thing was that yeah. everybody wrote one act, and then they had one guy try, yeah. to, try to make them match each other. Right. Yep. Yeah, that explains but that's, a lot. It's typically, typically that's our motive, is to, you owe me an apology. Oh, thank you. All right. All <laughs> well, is, all right then. All is forgiven. You said this sucks. I agree with you. Let's move on. <laughs> Uh, so my bad thing, well, like I said, we all had a really hard time with this because this was just from start to finish a fantastic, fun episode. There was never a point where we're like, okay, we're bored. It was just nonstop funny and, and interesting. Mm-hmm. You do um, hate fun. Which is which is insane when you consider yep. my apparent hatred of whimsy. I do. And whimsy. Whimsy specifically. Um, the first guy we see in the program, uh, in, in the holodeck program <laughs> when they walk in. He's he's rocking on a chair on the porch of some place. Looks oh, like I'm the sure. poor 49er she every other there. Forty-niner out, giving some authentic and, uh, frontier gibberish. Yeah, which uh, <laughs> which reminds me of how much I fucking hate Mark Twain. Still, again, always, but that doesn't count, I guess. The hell I can't. He's going to be my bad thing in all seven seasons of Voyager. Now we'll steal fresh <laughs> jam. Doesn't Janeway date him at some point? Probably. <laughs> yeah he's not bearded he's just mustachioed with his pistola go uh, on brian i think you're gonna I go floozy in this there's case. no such thing as a pistola that's a word you made up because it sounds old-timey there no, i said a word it that, i feel better it's a word that old-timey strong bad made up and i stole <laughs> because that has to be in the public domain by now <laughs> I'll okay my actual bad thing my actual bad thing, the, the barmaid wench. Is wench appropriate here? Brian, you would know. Hey, yeah, you go Floozy. with Floozy. It, it's, it's, it's close enough. Floozies was kind of the 20s, like the speakeasy Floozies. Yeah, uh, I, I barmaid, I don't know. <laughs> they, they didn't really exist back in the Old West. The bartender would have definitely been a man. Hmm. Well, in any case, she tries to entice Worf with beeswax candles. Like, they're supposed to be sexy. She's got, I got candles. They're made of beeswax. No, she, I don't she, think beeswax is sexy unless you're a bee. She doesn't even say it like that. She draws it out like it's the most luxurious. Beeswax. Oh, yeah. I got beeswax. <laughs> Living that is not. I've got candles made of beeswax. There's nothing particularly sexy about that. I mean, you know. Nope. 
Not that, I mean, you know, she's not completely unattractive, but the, the beeswax thing just kind of lost. She's going to make him a beefsteak and gooseberry cobbler. That sounds pretty good. Uh, it does. Except gooseberries are... As long are, as the uh, steak isn't part of the cobbler. Except gooseberry, gooseberries <laughs> are exclusively grown in Europe and uh, West, uh, Western Asia. And Wesley Asia. And, West, and Wesley Asia. <laughs> uh, Watch out, regular Asia. <laughs> but I'm going to so chalk that I'm... more up to uh, Barclay not knowing that. Yeah, that could... Oh, yeah, you need to, we need to talk oh, about yeah. that. <laughs> Barclay is a they, pervert they... Uh, who's corrupting our youth. How about that? Okay. <laughs> well, I kind of already suspected. Yeah. That's that goes up there with Wesley killed a guy. Everybody knows that. Yeah. <laughs> when they when they first walk in, you get the typical like prostitute like uh, holding their leg up on the thing and yeah. <laughs> and uh, Worf's like, and this is for kids, huh? Well, Mister Barkley helped. Uh huh. I'm gonna have to talk to him. <laughs> yeah. By which I mean I'm gonna have to beat him. Well. And the thing is, I'm pretty sure Barkley's not supposed to be on the holodeck anymore. I thought that's where we left that. <laughs> yeah, he has to keep a uh, 500 feet. Uh... Yeah, he's got a restraining order. Yeah, no, nobody said he's not allowed to write holodeck programs, though. That's a good point. Although I've... I actually feel like this is probably one of his that was converted. Yeah, that could be from from a while ago. Yeah, that, that could... it turns Although, out Troy, why is, Troy wasn't why is actually Nick... there with them. He just programmed. Uh, he just programmed a sexy cowboy. Troy I can't imagine anything Barkley programmed oh, yeah. would feature Troy wearing pants. Wow, uh, did you too. see those pants? I did, but still. <laughs> She is the cowboy of empathy. <laughs> I hated so, John Wayne in that. <laughs> so, Brian, in your in your summary, you made a mention of uh, Alexander putting down the toaster oven. Yeah, okay, that's, I mean, we all know that the technology on this show has now can look pretty well, yeah, clunky from the early 90s compared to, to what we actually have, but I don't know what Alexander was supposed to be. He was lying on the floor and holding something over his head, but... There was no indication what I guess it, it could have been an e-reader or uh, it could. My first go-to was a Game Boy, but I mean, yeah, I'm like a Game Boy or like Nintendo a speak and spell so. or who knows yeah, but what. It was, but it, it was gigantic. And apparently, this is one thing I found out in memory alpha. It was made from gluing together a bunch of floppy disks, like around a box. That makes sense. Well, I don't think even they knew box... what it was. They're just like, give this kid something sciency to hold. The important thing is that box saved 50, 50 people joining AOL. So uh, <laughs> good, good work, next gen. Well done, box. Yes. The boxy. Uh, what else? I like I said, Troy was just fantastic. Yeah. Everything about her. Just was... the best. The best ever. <laughs> and the sad thing is, is, she's only sort of a bit player in this, and mm-hmm. she doesn't get a ton to do. But you're right. She is. This is the best episode we've had with her. Yeah, no, she, she yep. works fantastically. And it, 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 it expands her character, which is great. Like, it's not it just does. like, hey, here's Troy. It, yeah. good. Just, we now know three things about her. Chocolate, mother, yep. cowboys. <laughs> yep. And the thing is, if it weren't season six, I would say, good, they've rounded <laughs> her out a bit. But in season one, we learn that Picard likes Dixon Hill and tries to play him on the holodeck from time to time. Like, mm-hmm. like this is something we knew about our main guy, five years ago. That's hardly fair. And now we know that when Counselor Troy was a child, her father would read her cowboy stories while feeding chocolate to her mother. Uh, there was a there was a great bit where uh, Data's playing around with the cat, su- cat food supplements for Spot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it's like feline supplement number 74. Like, he's been working at it for a long time, and he doesn't say finicky, but he says something like that. Like right. it's difficult to anticipate your your desires. And then the Spot runs away, like cats do. 
And he says, perhaps hunger will compel you to finish your meal. <laughs> now, the problem is he didn't replicate it in a he, crystal yeah, he, he talks to his cat like we all do, only in data style. Like, my, well, my someone, favorite is um, told him, when Spot jumps up on the keyboard, he's like, Spot, you're making it difficult for me to continue my work. <laughs> I just love the, like, his reaction to the food thing is very much, like, we've all been there, if you have a pet like that, where you just get to the point where you're exasperated. And yeah, it's, j- fine, fine, don't starve eat Starve then, fuck you. But because it's Data, he shouldn't feel that. It makes it extra funny nope. to me. Mr. Data, you're becoming more human every day. <laughs> and it's all thanks to that cat. <laughs> that darn cat. Mm. All right. Any anything further? We need to start wrapping oh, this up. Oh, yeah, just before we finish up, I love Data as the main oh, bad yeah. guy. Oh yeah. Well, like I say, uh, giving Spiner an opportunity to chew the scenery is always great. You know, yeah. he gets to play like cowboy lowlife, uh, classy southern gentleman, uh, Mexican uh, stereotype, and uh, sa- Mexican Scotty dancehall broad. So, yeah. yep. No, it's it's fantastic. And but Matt specifically as the as the main villain, you're right. He does have a I think he's great. He's sort of like he's he's sort of, you know, sinister and like he's got a great look. But in a way that Lore wasn't. Yeah, like, exactly. He plays a completely different kind of evil guy and he does it well. Mm-hmm. Which is great. Yeah. I do have one uh, last thing before we wrap yeah. up. Um my old holodeck trouble comes back again with this, which is uh Alexander's being kept in an abandoned mine shaft uh, oh, ten yeah, miles yeah, yeah. outside of town, whereas yeah. in reality he's like fifteen feet away from them. I that that just always no, and I've I'm the same way where I try to I try to think about how the holodeck works, and I just it's another one of those things where I just have to say, ugh, you know what? I'm having fun. It's not as bad it. as I the can't. one in the yeah. seventh season when Riker's on a train and Troy gets off the train and is like twelve miles away in another town. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just where the train becomes the self-aware enterprise. What yeah. a great episode that was! That's just stupid. Oh, it, Although it did uh, have David Huddleston from Blazing Saddles in it, so that's good. Well, he's always good. All right then, <laughs> Matt. You know this this show is the train, and it's steaming toward <laughs> the pile of crap that is season seven, right? <laughs> well, first we get after that we get to go through a wonderful place called Deep Space Nineton. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, that is not the end of the line. Mm. Following that, right, you go through Voyager Junction car, and into or, Enterprise Gilch. Where Sheriff Bacula is waiting. Enterprise is definitely a gulch. Yeah, we end up at the bottom of Enterprise Gulch at the end of season four. Where Mayor Bacula and Sheriff that other guy are waiting to, uh... Oh, All right, uh, Brian, you got a quote for us. I do have a quote for you. This is uh, it was really hard to choose a quote. It was. Uh, a lot of great thing. little lines of dialogue. Um, that, the, bit, the exchange that we talked about where... Um, uh, Data was talking to Spot, almost made it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one great bit where Jordy and Data bond. He says, you're not just a machine to me, and Data goes, you're, you're not just a biological organism to me. Yeah, that was adorable. Oh, uh, that, that was really uh, There's sweet. a bit where Counselor Troy is uh, annoyed that he's call- Worf is calling her Troy, so he calls her Counselor Durango. <laughs> but the final winner was this, where Data fails to uh, get what's going, that, uh, that he's doing something unusual, so. We are currently attempting to isolate the corrupted circuit pathways. I reckon the process should take less than two hours. What did you say? I said the process should take less than two hours. No, you said, I reckon. According to my memory logs, I did not use those words. Y'all must be mistaken. Yeah, I love the way those things slipped in, mm-hmm. like, gradually into his speech, and he didn't... Yeah. And he starts walking that way eventually, and, yep. like... Oh, yeah, later on, when, when, when Riker's, like, telling him to fix the problem, he's like, yeah, I'll just sit tight, Commander, we'll have this done in two shakes. <laughs> right. 
Actually, your uh, your little cowboy accent sounds vaguely like uh, Nathan Fillion in uh, Firefly. Oh, thank you. Well, I, will I don't take, know if that's what you were going for. I'll but take you got that a as that, of the that compliment uh, that I'm sure it was intended. Yeah, yeah, it was. Hurrah! Um, okay, so uh, final thoughts, uh, final things to tell you. The website is postatomichorror.com. The email address is uh, postatomichorror at gmail. Basically, it's postatomichorror dot or at whatever you want. <laughs> just, just at or dot wherever you like. Just, just follow it's, it up. Guess, you know. Yeah. Postatomichorror.zynga.com. Um, yeah. That that word. Zynga? I, I think that, that wasn't a, that like that the a, live journal competitor from the 90s? That could be. I don't know. I use dead journal. <laughs> wow. That's, Remember that? That's Boy, do you. Yeah. at all. I use Blogspot. Yeah. Sorry? Uh, and yeah. you still do. Yeah, I still do. Can I, have I earned a plug? I suppose so. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, if you like hearing me talk about uh, uh, science fiction-y things and old-timey things colliding, why not head over to allthedisneymovies.blogspot.com and read my recent review of Treasure Planet? Uh, because Mike, which like the real Treasure Planet, nobody's reading that one. Uh, and uh, if you like hearing me talk about Cowboys, the review of Home on the Range, probably the worst movie Disney ever did, uh, is going to be uh, going up in the next couple oh. days. Uh, and Brother Bear came in the cow, middle there, so. so as you can tell, I'm in sort of a rough patch. Uh, mm. But soon we'll be getting <laughs> to the Princess and the Frog entangled, and then I'll be done with Disney and moving on to Volume 2, which will be exciting for everyone. So allthedisneymovies.blogspot.com, uh, it's good stuff. It is. I've, I've enjoyed your uh, your take yes. on that. And, yes. Um, let's see, Volume 2 of our episode guide will be out shortly. Right now our iOS app is free. And that content will be in there, and I can't guarantee it's still going to be free at that point, but that is really up to Bob. Uh, yeah. One final thing that we haven't talked about before, which is that uh, Star Trek Into Darkness is out uh, in like a month and a half. We will, be, we will be dropping whatever the fuck we're doing at that point and going to see it at least twice, I would say. Yes. Once for our personal enjoyment so we can jump up and down and clap. And mm -hmm. then the second time for the show. And yes. so whatever episode is scheduled that week will probably be bumped a week while we, we do, you know, an exclusive episode based on that. So I'm warning you now, and I will warn you several times leading up to it, there are going to be a fuck ton of spoilers because we're going to dissect the hell out of that thing. Mm -hmm. Come so, Yes. That's, uh, I'm, I'm running out of ways to say, uh, well, the last one was uh, been a joke, come but tired of this or something like that. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm, I'm done. So that is all from us. Come back next week when we will do two more episodes. And Yes, indeed. Yes. Matt, say it. See ya, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2013. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.